budget to supporting ministries outside of uh, of our ministry here. We support missionaries and missionaries and benevolences and various ministries, and and we support four four institutions of uh, of Christian higher education for schools, and one of those uh, is Cedarville University. Uh, I, I didn't go back in the records to find exact uh, dates, but I believe we've supported them for probably at least 50 years, if not if not longer than that. Uh, as, that we've supported this un, this university and the connections uh, of Northfield Baptist Church to Cedarville University are deep and they're long-standing. 1978, this auditorium was completed and it was dedicated. And at the dedication service, Dr. James D. Jeremiah preached the message, who was then uh, the president of Cedarville University. I, I understand it was a transition year because it was in 1978 he drew his, his tenure to a close, and he was followed by Dr. Paul Dixon. Dr. Paul Dixon ministered here several times, but before he ever came uh, as the president of Cedarville, he came and did evangelistic services here at Northville Baptist Church. And there are some in our congregation who trusted Christ as their personal Savior uh, through his evangelistic ministry. My predecessor, uh, Pat Lynn Rogers, was both a graduate of Cedarville and served as a trustee of the university for many years. And one of our former members, Dr. Eddie Hawkins, uh, served as a trustee of Cedarville University. We have many alumni uh, in our congregation. Uh, we have uh, parents of alumni. We have parents whose children are there. Uh, personally, just uh, dropped off the third uh, of our, our, our youngest uh, at Cedarville University, following in the, in the footsteps of her older brothers who graduated from there. In July 2013, God called Dr. Thomas White uh, to the presidency of Cedarville University. And under his leadership, enrollment continues to grow, academic programs continue to expand. And probably uh, the most exciting part of all of that is that all of those things are infused with a dynamic spiritual atmosphere on campus that is fueled by daily chapel, discipleship programs, and an abundance of ministry opportunities for students. We are, we are glad, we're thankful to, to be supporting this ministry and to be a part of it in some small way through our giving, through our prayers, and, and, and as God leads, uh, we've, had, we've had some who have gone there as students. So, Dr. White, we're glad to have you with us this morning. We welcome you uh, to this church and to, to friends. Good morning. It's an honor to be here with you. I do thank you for your support. I'm, I'm going to tell you more about Cedarville in the Adult Bible Fellowship Hour, so I'm here to preach right now. So open your Bibles up to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 21. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 21. We're going to look through all of those verses to set the stage for you. Before we look at those verses, I want to talk to you about how we walk in this life. How do we walk do we walk with wisdom? Do we walk foolishly? Do we walk carelessly? Now, I'm from South Carolina. Some of you could probably pick up the accent. And I'm also a country boy. My father was a country preacher. My grandfather was a country preacher before that. So if you hear some weird accent, just smile and we'll keep going. It's not a big deal. So being from South Carolina, when I moved to Cedarville, Ohio, I had no clue that it got as cold as it did in any place where people actually lived. And so there was one day, it was like negative 17 degrees with the wind chill factor outside. I'm like calling to find out if we're having school or not because this is unsafe for any human being, right? And they're laughing at me just having fun. But I start going to school that day, and this was, so in the South, when you wear dress shoes, they are leather-bottom dress shoes. They don't have anything on the bottom other than leather. When you live in the north and there's ice on the ground and you have leather-bottom dress shoes, you have to walk carefully. Now, that's how our text starts this morning. So this, this plays in. You have to walk carefully. 
Now that walk carefully in our text can mean one of two things. It can mean you either look carefully as you walk or you look and walk carefully. So the, the carefully that could go with the look or the walk. It really doesn't matter. It both ends up in the same thing, right? So you have experienced ice. You have experienced snow. And when you have that, what do you do? Well, I have learned. You shorten your steps. You don't take as normal strides like really walking fast. You shorten those steps. You try to keep your weight over the top. See, I have dress pants that I have busted the holes in the knees from where I have busted it. I don't know if anybody ever saw me or anything, but, but that, those, that first year, I've, got, I've even got different shoes. You see the tread on those shoes? I mean, you talk about walking with wisdom. I learned how to buy better dress shoes that had some rubber that still looked dressy enough that I could get away with it because I wanted to walk carefully. Now, let me put this in another context. Some of you grew up walking on ice. You're like, what's he talking about? He's just an idiot. Have you ever been hiking up on a cliff, mountain? And as you're hiking up, you see that the rocks are a little bit wet. There's a little moss on there. And you know if I put my foot on that moss, there's going to be a problem. But I'm going to make it to the top. And if I go over the side, I'm going to, I'm going to make it to heaven. So I better be real careful as I walk through here. And as we're hiking in places like that, or as we're climbing over rocks, often we'll use our hands. We'll slow our pace. We'll watch what we're doing. We might grab a hold of a branch or of a tree or of a rock or something so that we have another point of contact with the ground so that if we fall, we're not going to fall quite as far. We can catch ourselves because in that context, we're walking carefully. You get the image here. Walk carefully. Now, this applies to our spiritual life, although most of the time we don't walk near as carefully in our spiritual life as we do in places like that. Let me, let me give you a couple more examples, just to get your mind heading in the right direction. You ever run on a treadmill when you're watching TV? I like to watch sporting events, but I like to do them in a productive manner. So if I'm really into a ball game and it's intense, I'll get on a treadmill. I, I'll try to jog or something on the treadmill. I don't, I don't run because I like to run. I run because I like to eat. Anybody in the room identify with that? I mean, that's the only reason I run is because there's a chocolate milkshake and a cheeseburger somewhere down the line waiting for all of those calories that get burned. But, but when you're watching that and all of a sudden you're running along on your treadmill and something intense is happening and all of a sudden you're stumbling because you just hit the side of your treadmill because you lost your way. Why? Why did we lose our way? Because my mind was much more focused on that screen in front of me than it was on where my feet were. Have you experienced it? All right, one last one. Anybody in the room ever tried to go up the down escalator? Yeah, I saw some kids raise their hand real quickly. Mom and dads are looking at them like, stop admitting that. You're not supposed to tell people. We've all at least thought about it, right? So, yeah, I have to admit to you, I've gone up the down escalator. And this is how we do it. Like, we're always just looking at it like it's tempting. I want to go up that one. I don't want to go up this one. Huh, there's nobody around. So then we start going up the down escalator. You know, it's kind of like the spiritual life. We have a sin nature in us that drags us away from the God that we love. One of, one of my favorite songs says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. That sin nature, which even though we're saved, we're new creation in Christ, Paul calls it the flesh, that flesh pulls at me and says to me, go do these things. Create idols in your own life. Be prideful about the good things you do. It reeks and pulls me away from the God that I love. It's like trying to go up a down escalator. I'm, if I do nothing, I'm going down. So I have to actually work out my spiritual disciplines like I'm going up that down. If you've ever tried to go up a down escalator, you don't do it slowly. You do it intentionally. You do it carefully. You look where you're going, and you keep moving. And then if somebody comes along and sees you, you turn around and knock you were going down the whole time, right? That's kind of what we do. You're careful. You pay attention. You watch what you're doing. That's what happens. Look careful. So today, I want to talk to you about how we walk 
I want to talk to you about how we walk spiritually, but I want us to recognize that we have all sorts of examples in life that have taught us and trained us what it means to walk carefully. So here is the main idea in our text. Choose every day. Why every day? Because we're on a down escalator. If I don't wake up in the morning and if my first thoughts and prayers when I get out of bed aren't, Lord, this day let me walk in wisdom, let me be used for your glory, let me live a life that's characterized by being filled with the Spirit. We'll talk about what that means. Don't get nervous. I'm not talking about speaking in tongues or any charismatic items there. We're talking about living a life with the fruit of the Spirit, which is that's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. So each day, if I'm not choosing to walk in wisdom filled with the Spirit, I'm going to have a problem. Every single day, I've got to keep traveling up that down escalator just to maintain where I am. And my goal is to progress farther and farther in sanctification more like Christ. So choose every day to walk in wisdom filled with the Spirit. All right, we have a text for today. Our text for today is Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 21. I've got for you on the screens. If you have it in your Bible, look with me as I read our text. It says, look carefully then how you walk. Now, walk is the word in the book of Ephesians. It's all throughout the book of Ephesians. You find it in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, chapter 2, verse 10. You'll find it scattered all throughout chapter 4, 5, and 6. And so here it's telling us, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, and give thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So here's our outline as we walk through this for today. I have three points for you. First, I want to talk to you about the contrast. Then I want to talk to you about the command, and then I want to talk to you about the characteristics. When we look here, we're going to see the contrast immediately after walking carefully. He sets it up and provides it for us. He says, walk not as the unwise, but as the wise. He says to walk not as the foolish, but as understanding what the will of the Lord is, not as the drunk, but filled with the Spirit. So here's your characteristic. So in verse 16, what does it mean to walk as someone who's wise? As someone who's wise, it tells us that wise people make the best use of their time. Time is a valuable commodity. The older you get, the more you realize how time is a valuable commodity. You can't buy any more of it. You can't stretch it out. You only have a set limited amount of it. And that's one reason that we focus Cedarville on Psalm 90 verse 12, where it says, The Lord teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Even as we talk about the thousand days that they're going to have to be with us as students, we want to make the most of every one of them. We want them to make the most of every one of them. And it's a constant reminder in my own life that I only have my children with me for a number of days. I only have the opportunity to ministry on this earth for a certain number of days. My days are limited, and then my days come to an end. So it's my choice every day when I wake up, how am I going to use this day that God has given me? So we wake up every single day choosing to say, I want to live a life of wisdom. I want to walk this day filled with the Spirit. You know, in life, we have plans for all sorts of things. We even have planners for all sorts of things. Some of you are electronic planning people. Some of you are calendar, pen, notebook planning people. My wife is old school notebook planning person. I am all electronic. I don't have a notebook that's on paper. I don't need a notebook that's on paper. It's on my watch. It's on my phone. It's on my iPad. It, I, things ding and go off. And I don't even know what's dinging or what's going off. It is telling me I'm supposed to do something somewhere at some point in time. 
Now, my wife, anybody like me? Anybody like you? Stuff everywhere electronically. There's like three of us, five of us in the room that are geeks like that. And that's what we do, right? Now, some of you, you're laughing at me thinking, that's just silly. But you've got 18 different colored pens, and they're all erasable, and you use a different color for every single thing. And I see you laughing, so I know you do it. That's what my wife does, too. She's got like her 10 colored pens, all erasable, and everyone's calendar's in a different color. And she makes to-do list, and the first box on the to-do list is make to-do list. And the last box is finish to-do list, just because she gets excitement and joy out of checking boxes. And that gives her two extra boxes to check. We plan everything in life, right? Are you with me? If you decide you're going to have a New Year's resolution, I'm not saying those are good or bad, but if you decide you're going to have one, I'm going to lose weight. How are you going to lose weight? I got a plan. I'm going to start working out. How are you going to work out? I got a plan. I'm going to go to school and get a degree. How am I going to do that? They've got a plan. I've got to take the classes they tell me, finish them with the grades they tell me to get the degree they tell me. When I grow up, I want to be an engineer, but be good at math. There's a plan. All these classes, so when you go out, you do it and you do it right. Everybody has a plan. Do you have a plan spiritually for your growth? See, this is where we get kind of slack sometimes, don't we? I want to grow spiritually. I want to be more like Christ. How are you going to do that? I'm going to sit back and let God. I'm not going to do anything. God will take care of it. He's, he's working in me, right? He's, he's going he's gonna to complete it. Yeah, he's going to complete it. But that same book that tells you God's going to complete the work he started in you tells you to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to do according to his good purposes. And so we work it out as he has worked it into us. So we need a plan. And so what I'm telling you is that to be wise, to make sure we have a plan, we take advantage of the days. I think you need to have a Bible reading plan. You need to be in the Bible every single day. You need to be meditating on scripture. You need to be memorizing scripture. You say, wait a second, I'm done with the ones. I don't, I'm done with all of the stuff where the kids memorize the scripture. I understand that. We need to be memorizing Scripture until we're dead. If you're leading in those children's programs, you can memorize the Scripture right along with them. Work through it. Memorize your Scripture. Hide God's Word in your heart that you might not sin against Him. We never get too old to hide the Word of God in our heart. We should be each and every day in the Word, reading the Word, meditating on the Word, memorizing the Word. Why is that? Because my flesh needs it. I need it so that I can put down my flesh to live a life of wisdom and walk in the right way before God because my heart is so fickle. Do not be foolish, but be wise. Foolish brings us to Proverbs. You just think Proverbs with the foolish person, the unwise fool, the one who is careless. Maybe you, it's not that you're not intentionally growing. You're just careless. You just, you just don't have a plan in life even. You just, you're too busy. You're too distracted. You've got all these things going on, and, and you're just careless. Proverbs describes the foolish person as someone who lacks understanding, someone who even despises wisdom. There's another contrast here. It tells us that we're supposed to make the best use of time. It tells us, therefore, do not be foolish. It tells us, then, that we should understand the will of the Lord. Now, this is interesting. Because often when we think about understanding the will of the Lord, we think about something that's a little more detailed. We think about... What degree plan am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to be married? Am I not supposed to be married? Am I supposed to move? Am I not supposed to move? What job am I supposed to take? Am I not supposed to take it? I can't tell you all of those things this morning. But I can tell you that when you search the Bible for the will of the Lord, it's pretty clear some things that he tells us. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. You can write these down if you want. I'm just going to read them to you, give you some understanding here. What does it mean to say, I want to know the will of the Lord and do the will of the Lord? Proverbs 3, 5 through 7 tells us, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and turn away from evil. That's a good way to understand the will of the Lord. 
in all these various things that I may not have the answers to this morning. But in this, you have principle. that says, this is how I know to do the will of the Lord. Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Do you fear God? Do you keep His commandments? Micah 6, 8. He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? Great. I want to know what the Lord requires of me. Here you go. To do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. There you go. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How am I to be transformed? By the renewal of your mind. How do we renew the mind? In the Word. Time with God. Read the Word. Meditate on the Word. Memorize the Word. Pray to God. Allow God to speak to our hearts. Allow the Spirit to work to change us. Surround ourselves in a good local church with good godly people. Transformed our minds by the renewal of your minds that may be tested that you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. First Thessalonians. 5, 14 through 18. We urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Wow. So it's not so much about this job or that person or this vocation or this career choice or where I live. It's more about following what God said. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 6. Anybody in the room like Marvel Avengers? Anybody? Just, yeah, all right. This is your new life verse right here. You see one. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 6. For this is the will of God. Oh, great. I want to know what the will of God is. Your sanctification. Ah, be more like Christ. Be set apart. Be holy. That you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passions of the lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong each other in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger. There's your life first. Did you know the Lord? I'm just kidding. All right. In all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. One more verse for you. First Peter 15. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. It's not easy. But it is where we are. Verse 18. Do not get drunk. Why do we do not get drunk? What does it say to us? That is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. So here we have another contrast. Debauchery. It means behavior which shows a lack of concern or thought for the consequences of an action. A senseless deed. A reckless deed. Recklessness. I will say to you, I don't think anything good has happened after the words, let's go get drunk. Right? I can't think of any time in history where good things have happened after those words. Now, I'm sure none of you in the room have ever had anything to drink. You've never been drunk in your life, but maybe you've seen somebody on TV or had a relative or you've been around somebody. We, we all have seen or encountered or seen the depiction of somebody who, is, who has been drinking. As they drink, we talk to, about them frequently as being controlled by the alcohol. They're under the control or even a controlled substance sometimes is what we call it when we talk about this because that substance then takes control and they act differently. You're not at your sharpest when you have alcohol. It's why they don't let you carry a concealed weapon when you've been drinking. It's why they don't let you drive when you've been drinking because you have these things that are dangerous. You're not in your right mind. You can't use those dangerous things because you're not at your best person because you're under control or you're controlled by some other influence or substance. So when we sing things like this, sometimes it's sad, sometimes it's funny. You see somebody that is an introvert that never talks to anybody, and all of a sudden they are weeping all over everybody. Oh, man, I love you. And you're just like, I liked you better when you were introvert. Stop talking and go away. Or you see somebody that's all extrovert, and they, they all of a sudden turn all 
introspective and don't say word. And, and depending on your personality, you may or may not like that better. And you see somebody that's like four foot two and weighs like 105 pounds soaking wet that all of a sudden thinks they can beat up everybody in the room. And you're like, man, this is really going to hurt tomorrow, right? This is really dumb. You're not thinking clearly. You need to go home because you're under the control of another substance. So what's the point of the text here this morning? Do not be filled with wine so that you're drunk, which is debauchery. Control of a substance that makes you do things that you don't normally do, that causes you not to act in a way that you don't normally act. That's what you're not supposed to do. Why? Because we're supposed to be filled with the Spirit and controlled by the Spirit. Now think about that example of the drunk person who may do things they wouldn't in their normal nature do because they're under the control of something else. And the text sets up here to tell us to be filled with the Spirit because that's the contrast. Because when I'm filled with the Spirit, I do things that my normal sinful human nature, my rebellious person, might not do. There are acts of kindness and thoughts that I have. There's an understanding of humility that I have that doesn't come naturally to the world. The world looks at us in our humility sometimes and says, what is wrong with you? Why are you continuously trying to reflect the praise somewhere else? It's because we realize what wretched individuals we are in our hearts, how they're deceitfully wicked who can know them. And because of that realization of the Spirit working in my life to tell me I've got to get past all these things... I've got a humility that the world just doesn't have. Controlled by the Spirit. There's a generosity that arises from that. Why would you give stuff away? We're supposed to get stuff. No, 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 no. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And there's a joy that comes because I'm filled with the Spirit when I give things to other people. Do you understand what our text is telling us here? There's a difference when we're controlled by the Spirit versus when we're controlled by the things of this world. All right, now that was a really long first point. The rest of them aren't that long. Point number two is the command. So we come to this command. And here is your command. Your command is to be filled with the Spirit. So I've got some, some things for you here that you just, you just got to get. You've you got to make sure you understand this. It's at the second half of verse 18. Be filled with the Spirit. It's a command. What does a command mean? If you've been in the military, you understand what a command means. A command means you have to do it. It's not optional. If you're a parent and you have children... This is where you count to three afterwards, right? I mean, this is where you say, actually, counting to three may be bad parenting, but you get my point. You just say, do it. This is, you're going to do it. If we have to sit here and fight about it, it doesn't matter. You're going to do it. I'll never forget one of the dumbest things I did as a parent. I was sitting at the uh, table, and my daughter wasn't trying her green beans, and she's every bit as stubborn as I am. And she was refusing to try green beans. And I said to her, I'm going to sit here with you at this table until you eat your green beans. Really bad parenting decision, all right? Because that was 6 o'clock at 1030. We were still sitting at that table. She was crying, and it was past her bedtime, and I wasn't going to lose because it was too important to lose at that particular point in time because she needed to know my willpower is stronger than yours, and when we say you have to do something, you have to do something. You've got to learn this lesson in life. And so we sat there till 1030 when she finally ate a green bean, and I was so happy. <laughs> I've learned since then there's other consequences. I'm not sitting here at the table. You're sitting at the table by yourself now. I'm going to watch TV or get on the treadmill and fall off or do something fun. I mean, you know, whatever. It's command. So the Bible commands us, be filled with the Spirit. All right, it's present tense. Why is it present tense? Because when I wake up this morning, I need to be filled with the Spirit. When I wake up tomorrow, I need to be filled with the Spirit. When I wake up the next day, I need to be filled with the Spirit. Maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, I don't understand this Christian stuff. I am not living a victorious Christian life. Are you living a life where you are consciously saying, I need to be filled with the Spirit? 
I need to walk in wisdom. And that means I need to read my Bible, not so I can check a box that says I've done some legalistic thing, that's a burden I can't bear, but so that my mind can understand who God is and who I am, and the Word can change my heart and actually change my affections. Part of what it means to become a mature follower of Christ is that my affections are no longer set on the things of this world, but I see my affections for the things of this world fading away, and I see the realization that God is true, and He is righteous, and He is holy, and the best gift I can possibly have in this world is Jesus. I don't need anything else. It's all smoke and mirrors. I need Jesus. That's all I need in this life. And if I find my joy and set my affections on Jesus, then all the things that cause me trouble throughout my Christian life begin to fade farther and farther away. And those pulls are no longer as tight on my heart or my soul. And the pull that pulls on my soul is Jesus. And he's pulling me to be more like him. And as he's pulling me to be more like him, my joy increases all the more. And if you're saying, I don't understand that at all. That means you've got some work to do on this Christian life at the bottom of that down escalator. You need to start climbing. You need to come up. I'm telling you, the view from the top is amazing. Finding your satisfaction and having your affection set on Christ frees you from the stresses and the weights of this world that tie us down and cling so closely to us every single day. God, I am just your servant. I want to do what you want me to do today. I don't have to please anybody in this world. I just want to live for you. And Lord, when this day's done, may I have worked hard and served you well and done whatever you want me to do and go to sleep with a clear conscience and wake up tomorrow and do it all over again. And then one day, I'm with him. And the words I hear then aren't, boy, you're something special. That's not my job. The words I hear then are, well done, good and faithful servant. That's it. That's what we're after. It's not the world talking about how great we are. It's the one God that we serve saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. It's plural. It means it's all of us. It's not required for your pastor to be filled with the Spirit and him to be your representative. That's bad theology. Because that means you think you need another intercessor other than Christ, and you don't. You have Christ. And your pastor, as great as he may be, and as great as an under-shepherd as he may be for you, is not meant to be the Christ in your life. He's meant to help you be equipped so that you know more about Christ, so that you can do the work of the ministry. His job is an equipping ministry to you so that you go do the work of the ministry. Mostly that's through the Word. Preaching the Word. The Word changes us. This is what we see. It's passive. It's be filled with the Spirit. This is what I'm convinced happens in my own life. This is my own experience. Now, we don't build theology from experience. It's really bad. All of our experiences are different. If you build theology from experience, you're going to end up with really bad theology. All right? Really bad worldview. But in my own life, what I notice is that I am filled with as much of the Spirit as I want. Because there are times the Spirit says to me, don't do this, or you shouldn't do that, and I do it anyway, and then the next thing I have to do is repent and get right and do what the Spirit said to do. And there are times where it's really awkward, and there are times where I just have some constant struggles in life that the Spirit's still working on rounding all those hard edges in life. And until I get my together and fall in line with what the Spirit's saying, doing, we're working on this. This is what we're working on. We're going to work on it for a while until we get it right. And in my own sinful flesh and fallen nature, it's so easy to do the things we shouldn't. This is, this is Paul in Romans 7. Why does I do the things I don't want to do? I don't do the things I want to do. But then it's that in Christ, Romans 8, that allows us to live a life that flourishes in the Spirit. It's passive. The Spirit is there to fill us. God wants us to be full of the Spirit. It's us.
Other verses talk about following the leadership of the Spirit. Talks about different ways that we can be controlled by the Spirit. In fact, I, I used to have a dog. Uh, this dog passed away. I've got two, two dogs now, but we like, I like German Shepherds. Anybody in the room have a German Shepherd? German Shepherds are awesome dogs. They're just they're, they're wonderful. So I had this German Shepherd. This German Shepherd was, had some hip issues and all, so I would carry her up and down the stairs in her older days. And, and I would, this, this was like a member of the family. I mean, I, we would, I'd feel her steak and chicken. I mean, this dog, this dog was, her name was Princess. That should tell you something, all right? I mean, she was well-named. Um, so I remember one day I was late, I was late for work. I just I'd slept in a little bit. And I was, I was bringing the dog. I was taking the dog outside. And the dog turned away and went and laid into the office. I remember it so frustrated. I'm like, look. I feed you steak and chicken. I carry you up and down the stairs. All I want for you are the good things for you. You've got to go outside and use the restroom and then come back inside and you can lay on the rug. But go outside first because this is what's right and this is what you need to do. In my mind, I was having this conversation. I wasn't talking to the dog like that. I'm just saying, this is what I was thinking. I got frustrated. Well, come on. Angry with the dog because the dog wouldn't listen because all I wanted was the good of the dog. And then I'm always worked that morning. I thought to myself, how often is it that I'm just like that dog when the Holy Spirit telling me to go do something? No, 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 no. God, you don't understand. I want to do this because this is better. Kathy, I'm a pretty smart fella. I've been around for a while. I understand all of this stuff. This is better than what that is. How many times in our life do we think we know better than the God who has existed for all eternity, than a God who is out for our joy, for things that are good in our lives, and we look at him and say, I know better. Be filled with the Spirit. That does mean you bring your cup and you fill it up. It means that when you are filled with the Spirit, you are controlled by the Spirit. Let me give you a couple other verses on this. If you are filled with wrath, Luke 4.28, your actions are controlled by wrath. It says the Jews were filled with envy in Acts 13.45, and then the Jews were controlled by that envy. To say that you are filled with the Spirit means that you are controlled by the Spirit. And it's not a one-time occurrence. Because when we look at the narratives in the book of Acts, in Acts 4.8 and Acts 4.31, it's both talking about Peter. And in both of those cases, it says Peter was filled with the Spirit. It can be a characteristic that you're described by. Because it said they chose men from among them who were filled with the Spirit. Stephen being filled with the Spirit. So we should be characterized as the type of people who are filled with the Spirit. And it usually results in boldness. It results in a boldness to be able to speak out the Spirit. It results in the fruit of the Spirit. Wisdom, goodness, full of faith, joy, all of the things that we should pursue. Now, let me give you one more helpful thing to characterize. What does it mean? Filled with the Spirit. Because oftentimes, as Baptists, when we talk about being filled with the Spirit, we get scared. Does that mean I have to raise my hands when we sing? Or does that mean I have to go to a healing service or speak in tongues? No, no, no. You can raise your hands if you sing. I mean, that's not bad. That's not, I'm not equating that with speaking in tongues. But no, being filled with the Spirit. Uh, let, me, let me give you the parallel passage. The parallel passage is Colossians 3, 16 and 17. It says almost the identical words. I've got them for you right there on the screen. So look at what it says is the first part. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now look at a comparison of these. You compare these two verses, and you have, Be filled with the Spirit, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Address one another, admonish one another. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, same thing. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Giving thanks always. Giving thanks to God the Father. If you laid these two things out, written by the same person in letters to two different people, you would say, he's trying to say the exact same thing to this church that he's trying to say to this church, except in one case he says, Be filled with the Spirit. And in another case he says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So what does it mean to be 
filled with the Spirit. It means let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Rewind. Read the Bible. Meditate on Scripture. Memorize Scripture. Spend time with God in prayer. Surround yourself with believers in a great church that's going to preach the Word to you. That's what he's saying. Be filled with the Spirit. Every day, I wake up. My personal Bible reading plan is I read the Old Testament, I read the New Testament, I read Psalms, and I read Proverbs. I have a program called Logos that lays it all out for me, but you can go to Google and get one just as easily as the one I have, and you can look at it and lay it all out. And the reason I do it the way I do it, you don't have to do it the way I do it. In fact, if you've never had a Bible reading plan, I'd say start easy and work your way up. Don't start by saying I'm going to read the whole Bible in a month because you're never going to complete it all, all right? And if you read the Bible straight through from Genesis to Revelation, here's what I found. This is just me. When I read the book of Job, I get depressed. I mean, when I read all of the numbers and all of the begats, I don't get anything out of that. And I'm sorry, it's God's Word. I know it's inspired. It's, I respect it. I'm under authority to it. But I need some other stuff when I'm reading in that. So that's why I do Old Testament because I'm reading in Job right now. And this morning I read in Job where God answered Job and talked about how great it was and that was great but for the past few weeks i've just been reading in some pretty depressing stuff so i needed some corinthians poured in the middle of that some psalms in the middle of that and proper in the middle of that for my soul so that i filled with the spirit each and every day that's my plan get your plan i don't care what your plan is get your plan but don't say i want to be a follower of christ and have no plan how do you have no plan i want to be rich and retire what's your plan i don't have a plan you're never going to be rich and retire you plan to fail, or if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. All right, let me finish this up. Characteristics. Three characteristics here. Joyful, thankful, and humble. Let me show you where I get these. So you look at verse 19. You address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. I don't think you can do that unless you're joyful. So I've listed that in one word is joyful. How do I sing and make melody to the Lord from my heart? It's not a legalistic requirement, but it's actually overflowing out of the joy that I have of knowing what God has done for me, who I am and who he is. So there's a joy when I sing. Now, I'm glad it says make a joyful noise and not make one that sounds really good because I can't carry a tune in a bucket, and that's okay. I can still have great joy when I sing. I actually have more joy when I'm singing in the car by myself because I crank the radio up so loud I can't even hear me sing. And then it's, it sounds so good. I just like it that way. And so that's what I'll do on my way home is I'll crank up the radio so loud that I can't hear myself. And we'll just have a, a Jesus party right there on the way back to Cedarville, Ohio. But there's a joy that comes with this. Do you have a joy when you sing to God? Yeah, if you don't have a joy when you sing praises to God, that's, that's like a temperature check. Maybe you're saying, I don't enjoy music. <laughs> yeah, I'm right here with you. I can't carry a tune in a bucket. My, my family had a family uh, quartet. It wasn't a quartet. Well, it was four of us. Maybe it was a quartet. My dad played the guitar. My mom played the piano. They both sang. They put me on the drums with no microphone. That tells you something. Keep time and your mouth shut. No, no microphone, you're fine. Just bang on the drums. You can sing. Nobody will hear you. It'll be all right. Now, I understand this now, what I didn't understand back then. It doesn't matter if your noise is not beautiful and on tune or whatever the right words are. It's joyful. I love the Lord. The Lord has saved me. Do you understand that I was completely dead in my trespasses with no hope until God's grace rescued me, a sinner in rebellion against the king, and now has made me an adopted child of the king? Why in the world would I not have joy telling other people about that or singing praises back to the God who rescued me? If you don't have joy singing, temperature check. Heart look at. Why is it that I don't enjoy this? 
What is it in my life? Is there a habitual sin in my life? Am I not comprehending or understanding? Am I too worried about what other people are going to say about this awful noise coming out of my mouth? Who am I trying to please? I mean, there are questions you really need to ask yourself if you're not joyful in your Christian life. There are things you need to work with the Spirit on to say, I'm not living a life with the fruit of the Spirit. I'm not filled with the Spirit. I don't have joy when I show up on Sunday mornings to sing with brothers and sisters freely. Without fear of somebody coming in and persecuting all of us and taking all of our belongings freely, we get to do this. Thankful. Verse 20. Give thanks. Pretty obvious there. Always and for everything. Now, this is really hard to do. I mean, let's be honest. Give thanks on a 90-degree heat day. How many of you hate the heat? Today is a bad day for you. Yep, there's some of you. And then January comes. Give thanks on negative 17 wind chill, lake effect, snow. How many of you hate winter? Yes, I'm with you. I just schedule recruiting trips to Florida in the wintertime. All right, I love my job. I give thanks for my job so I can get away from winter. All right, um, give thanks always and for everything. That's hard. You mean I'm supposed to give thanks for mosquitoes? Now, I eat flies. I, I enjoy killing them. I, in fact, I enjoy it so much I have this tennis racket. Some of you probably have one of these too that has the electric stuff in it. So you can, like, press the button and it zaps them so you can, like, swat them and then you can listen to them fry. It's just pretty awesome. I mean, I just smile when I'm listening to the judgment of God being exacted on these creatures. I can't, I can't say that. It, you get what I'm, I'm having fun with it. So just bear with me there. That's really bad theology because I'm not the judgment of God. But anyway, all right. I, I got to give thanks for everything, right? How? How do I give thanks for the bad doctor's report? How do I give thanks for the tragedy that happened? If you're going to give thanks for everything in this world, you better have an eternal perspective. You better understand that in this world there is sin that has corrupted it. Back to Genesis 3 from the fall, and the whole world cries out for redemption. And if you don't understand that one day God's coming again and he's going to make all things new, and as the verses we read earlier, he's going to wipe away every tear and a new Jerusalem will descend and everything will be set right, then it's really hard to give thanks for this life. But he tells us to give thanks in everything. All right, humble. Verse 21. Verse 21 says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That takes humility. I don't, I don't even like the word submit. I, I used to be in karate. Um, used to own and operate karate schools. Would do jujitsu and other stuff like that. And submit always had a bad connotation. In fact, I was, I was so stubborn, which is not a good thing. But I was so stubborn as a kid that when your dad would get on the floor and wrestle with you, and, you know, he would, like, do things to make you say uncle, like put your arm behind your back or whatever. And he would be like, just, just say give or say uncle or say whatever it is. And you guys know what I'm talking about, right? I'm sure somebody in your family did that torturous thing to you at some point or somebody you know. And I was so stubborn, I'd be like, no, nope, I'm not saying it. He'd be like, say it. I'd be like, no, I'm not saying it. Break it. You're going to have to pay to fix it. I mean, that was my logic. Just break it. You're going to pay the hospital bill. I know you're not going to break it. So just whatever. I mean, that's how stubborn, because I didn't like the word submit. There's some of you in the room, you hear the word submit to one another, immediately you bristle. I'm not submitting. I don't care. It's not going to happen. It's my way or the highway. This is, this is an American philosophy. I'm the captain of my own ship. I'm the master of my own domain. We sing songs about this. Be true to thyself. We have a McIntyre in her country music. It's in every style of music all throughout the society. Follow your heart. You are in charge. Submit to no one. And I'm here to tell you that's awful theology. Because the Bible tells us that it is the authority and we submit to the word of God and that he is the king and we submit to the king that we are servants of the king. And if you bristle at that, as I sometimes still bristle at that, you have to recognize this is how sinful I am. So in middle school, middle school is, 
Middle school is horrible, right? I mean, it's like what purgatory would be if there were a purgatory. So in middle school, they used to call me by these characteristics. I had two characteristics I was known by. One was my big forehead. Now, I did have like spiked hair back in that time, which just exacerbated the big forehead, which, you know, I still pull it. Whatever. I got a big forehead. It's life. I mean, I just have to deal with it, right? But we all have characteristics we don't like, and everybody in the third grade points them all out. Oh, look, you have a big forehead. Thanks. I hadn't noticed that from looking in the mirror for the past 365 days this year. And so it's like, thank you. I appreciate that. That was characteristic that I was immediately known by. There's another one. They said to me, you walk with your knees in parentheses. If you can't tell or see, I'm bullied. I can fit a soccer ball between my knees with my knees locked out. If you've got a soccer ball, I can prove it after the service is over. All right. They actually said you walk with your knees in parentheses. They didn't bother me at all. I just still remember it to this day. Those were the characteristics because that's what they saw. So here's my challenge to you. What are the characteristics that people look at you and think about? Joyful, humble, thankful, or something else? Here's another way to phrase it. What are the characteristics you want people to say about you when your time is gone? And I don't mean those fake characteristics that glorify everybody after they're dead because that's just nice to do. I mean like the genuine characteristics. From the heart. And they say, that person was always dependable, faithful, a servant of God, gracious. Whatever it is you want to be then, you're never going to be then unless you're that today. So every day, we choose to walk in wisdom Feel the Spirit. Now, if you're here today, and this is just foreign language to you, maybe you have never submitted, repented of your sins, put your faith and trust in Christ. Today is a great day to do that and to learn what it means to walk in the Spirit. Perhaps you're here today and you have listened to this and you've looked at this and you realize, wait a second, I don't have a plan. Get a plan. Maybe you realize there's some things in my life I'm not following the Spirit on. I need to repent and follow the Spirit. But you can't do that unless you have initially given your life to Christ in salvation. Maybe you're looking at your own life and you're saying, these characteristics I'm going to be known by are not good ones. I need to change this. Today is a great day to change your trajectory. So you allow the Spirit to speak to you, and then you follow what God says through faith in response to the Word today. Dear Lord, we are all sinful. We all need to change. We all need to grow closer to you. So we recognize that, and we know it. God, today, would you give us the faith and the strength just to respond in whatever way we need to, Lord, whether that's salvation and for the first time repenting of our sins and putting our faith in you, or God, whether that is changing our trajectory, or Lord, whether that's developing a Bible reading plan, Lord, whatever it may be that we need to do, Lord, just help us this day to submit to you, to change our affections towards you, to allow your spirit to work in our lives so that we could glorify you, so that we could give you the credit. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As a church, uh, we devote a significant portion of our budget to supporting ministries outside of, uh, of our ministry here. We support missionaries and missionaries and benevolencies and various ministries. And, and we support four, four institutions of, uh, of Christian higher education, for schools. And one of those uh, is Cedarville University. 
Uh, I, I didn't go back in the records to find exact uh, dates, but I believe we've supported them for probably at least 50 years, if not, if not longer than that, uh, as that we've supported this, un this university. And the connections uh, of Northfield Baptist Church to Cedarville University are deep and they're longstanding. 1978, this auditorium was completed and it was dedicated. And at the dedication service, Dr. James D. Jeremiah preached the message, who was then uh, the president of Cedarville University. I, I understand it was a transition year because it was in 1978 he drew his, his tenure to a close, and he was followed by Dr. Paul Dixon. Dr. Paul Dixon ministered here several times, but before he ever came uh, as the president of Cedarville, he came and did evangelistic services here at Northville Baptist Church. And there are some in our congregation who trusted Christ as their personal Savior uh, through his evangelistic ministry. My predecessor, uh, Pat Lynn Rogers, was both a graduate of Cedarville and served as a trustee of the university for many years. And one of our former members, Dr. Eddie Hawkins, uh, served as a trustee of Cedarville University. We have many alumni uh, in our congregation. Uh, we have uh, parents of alumni. We have parents whose children are there. Uh, personally, just uh, dropped off the third uh, of our, our, our youngest uh, at Cedarville University, following in the, in the footsteps of her older brothers who graduated from there. In July 2013, God called Dr. Thomas White uh, to the presidency of Cedarville University. And under his leadership, enrollment continues to grow, academic programs continue to expand. And probably uh, the most exciting part of all of that is that all of those things are infused with a dynamic spiritual atmosphere on campus that is fueled by daily chapel, discipleship programs, and an abundance of ministry opportunities for students. We are, we are glad, we're thankful to, to be supporting this ministry and to be a part of it in some small way through our giving, through our prayers, and, and, and as God leads, uh, we've, had, we've had some who've gone there as students. So, Dr. White, we're glad to have you with us this morning. We welcome you uh, to this church and to, to friends. Good morning. It's an honor to be here with you. I do thank you for your support. I'm, I'm going to tell you more about Cedarville in the Adult Bible Fellowship Hour, so I'm here to preach right now. So open your Bibles up to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 21. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 21. We're going to look through all of those verses to set the stage for you. Before we look at those verses, I want to talk to you about how we walk in this life. How do we walk do we walk with wisdom? Do we walk foolishly? Do we walk carelessly? Now, I'm from South Carolina. Some of you could probably pick up the accent. And I'm also a country boy. My father was a country preacher. My grandfather was a country preacher before that. So if you hear some weird accent, just smile and we'll keep going. It's not a big deal. So being from South Carolina, when I moved to Cedarville, Ohio, I had no clue that it got as cold as it did in any place where people actually lived. And so there was one day, it was like negative 17 degrees with the wind chill factor outside. I'm like calling to find out if we're having school or not because this is unsafe for any human being, right? And they're laughing at me just having fun. But I start going to school that day and this was, so in the South, when you wear dress shoes, they are leather bottom dress shoes. They don't have anything on the bottom other than leather. When you live in the North and there's ice on the ground and you have leather bottom dress shoes, you have to walk carefully. Now, that's how our text starts this morning. So this, this plays in. You have to walk carefully. Now, that walk carefully in our text can mean one of two things. It can mean you either look carefully as you walk or you look and walk carefully. So the, the carefully there could go with the look or the walk. It really doesn't matter. It both ends up in the same thing, right? So you had experienced ice 
you have experienced snow, and when you have that, what do you do? Well, I have learned. You shorten your step.